And we're wrapping up our series today called Last Days. And I want to talk to you for the next uh, few moments uh, about the subject of, of hell. Uh, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, uh, at some point or another, you have questions about the afterlife, heaven, hell. Every person has questions about it. Uh, and the Bible teaches this is what I want to just begin this message, just letting you know that the Bible teaches that this life is not it, that the human soul is not disposable. Human beings face an eternal destination. It reminds me of a story. There was a young lady who just got engaged and she was so excited. She was preparing with her fiance for their wedding and, and they were talking and in their conversation and they were making preparations for the wedding and the wedding day and the honeymoon. They started to talk about church. And as they were talking about church and God and his word, uh, her, her fiance said this to her. He said, well, you know what? I don't believe that heaven or hell is a real place. She goes, huh? And this Christian girl was just like, you, you gotta be kidding. You don't believe that heaven and hell is a real place? And, and she started tearing up. She was just dumbfounded. I cannot believe it. And she went home and she said, mom, I don't know if I can go through with the wedding. He just told me he does not believe that heaven or hell is a real place. She starts crying. She starts sobbing. I cannot believe it, mom. Her mom said, listen, 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 honey, calm down. Calm down. I believe we can fix this together. You, you, I want you to go ahead and marry him. And listen, after you marry him, God's going to help you to show him that heaven is a real place. And I'll take care of showing him that hell is a real place. <laughs> All right, family dynamics sometimes. But, but, but I want to begin this message with this particular question. I'm going to answer three questions about hell today. And the first one is, is hell real? Is hell real? You can get online and you can Google and look at all the statistics, but all the statistics bear out that a lot more people believe that heaven is real than hell is real. I, I saw one stat that said 72% of people believe heaven is a real place. 58% of people believe hell is a real place. So, so for about 42%, almost half of people do not believe hell is a real place. C.S. Lewis said this about hell. There is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than this. If it lay in my power, but it has the full support of scripture and, spe and especially of our Lord's own words, it has always been held by Christendom and it has the support of reason. And I do agree with C.S. Lewis. I believe that the Bible is God's word, that it is inspired by God. And when you read scripture, it describes a real place called hell. And I want to be real transparent with you. I don't enjoy uh, preaching on this subject. Uh, it's not something I look forward to. Uh, I really don't enjoy preaching on the last days. We, we spent most of the summer doing. I don't like it. It's not one of my favorite topic, topics. Eschatology is not my favorite topic to preach on. But I do it because I really do love you. And I do feel a weight and a responsibility to teach you the whole counsel of God's word. 
And we've learned throughout this series, this last day series, that after death, the body goes to the grave and the spirit goes into the afterlife to face judgment. And the Bible is really clear that Jesus is coming back a second time. We talked about that, the second coming of Christ, that Jesus is coming back and there will be a bodily resurrection and everyone will spend eternity in either a real place called heaven or a real place called hell. The Bible says there is eternal life or eternal death, eternal joy or eternal sorrow. Let let me just share a a few scriptures from God's word in Revelation chapter 21, verse eight, describing this place called hell. It says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse nine, they, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Jude verse seven says in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffered the punishment of, I want you to catch this word, eternal, eternal fire. Revelation chapter 20, verse 13 says the sea gave up the dead and that were in it and and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So, So it's really clear that the Bible talks about this second death, this eternal punishment in this place called hell. But, but, but the real question that people oftentimes have is, but what does Jesus say? I mean, Jesus, he, he surely, he doesn't say anything about hell. I mean, Jesus is so kind and Jesus is so, so loving. Jesus is so gracious. Surely he doesn't say anything about hell. And that's just not the reality. Did you realize that Jesus actually spoke about the topic of hell more than any other person in scripture? More than half of Jesus's parables talked about eternal judgment. Let me just give you some examples. I'm only going to read some scriptures from the book of Matthew. I'm not even going to the book of Luke when it talks about Lazarus and hell and all the other places there in the gospels. But just from the book of of Matthew, I want you to hear the words of our Lord. Matthew 5 verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Matthew chapter five, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Matthew chapter eight, verse 12. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but, but, but cannot kill the soul, but rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew chapter 13, verse 42, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where they will, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 18, verse eight and nine. If your right, if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and to be thrown into, notice this word, eternal fire. And if 
your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life without one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the fire of hell. Matthew chapter 23, verse 33, you snakes, you brought of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Matthew 25, verse 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And what I want us to see is that Jesus talks about hell as a real place. And church, I think it's really, really important that you understand how the devil works. I think it's really important that you understand how our spiritual enemy, how he schemes and how he plans. And the Bible actually says in John chapter eight and verse number 44, it describes the devil as the father of lies. So when the devil speaks, he he lies. He's a he's a deceiver that that's actually who he is. And I think one of the biggest things that the devil loves to do to humanity is to get people to believe that there is no God or that Jesus is not the son of God. And if he can't accomplish that, then then the devil's a deceiver. Let me just get people to believe that there is no eternity. There is no hell. There are no consequences for sin. If I was the devil... And thank God I'm not, praise the Lord. I would convince people that there is no hell. I would convince the church that there is no hell because if the church believes there is no hell, there are no consequences for sin, then we're not even motivated to do the very thing that God commanded us to do, that Jesus commanded us to do before he ascended into heaven after dying for our sins. He said this, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, And if you and I don't believe the word of God, we don't believe in eternity, then our lack of motivation of why would I go to work and talk about Jesus? Why would I share with my coworker, my neighbor, the person at my school, if I don't believe in what Jesus says about the subject of hell? And I just want to encourage your hearts because I really believe God wants to use you. I believe there are people in your grocery store, at your kids' ball games. There are people at your your school. There are people at at your workplace. There are people at your company. There are people that need to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. And God really wants to use your life. There's a second question that is very important for us to answer today. The first is, 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 is hell a real place? And we, we answer that from a biblical perspective. And the second thing is this. What is hell like? What, what is hell like? And there are a, a, a ton of differing opinions on hell and on heaven, both inside the church, inside the Christian family and outside of it. And I don't want to fool you or deceive you in any way. I don't understand everything about heaven. I don't understand everything about hell. I don't, I do know this about heaven. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and Pastor Scotty did an incredible job preaching to us about heaven a couple of weeks ago. It's going to be a phenomenal place. I was blessed by the message. I preached on heaven several times, but I still don't understand it. I, I don't understand heaven. I, I don't understand transformed bodies. Never had one. Can't get, can't wait to get one. 
but, but I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand walking on streets of gold. I mean, I, I can kind of visualize it, but I don't understand what, what, what all that means. I don't understand all of the rewards in heaven for the life we live on. I don't understand all of those rewards. The Bible says that Jesus right now is working on our mansion. I don't, I don't understand that whole mansion thing. Like, am I going to get my own mansion? Do I got to share one with you? I hope I don't because I want my own mansion. I'm claustrophobic. I need my space. I, I, I don't know. In our mansion, will there be bathrooms? Will we have to go to the bathroom in heaven? I don't know. Will we do number one and number two? Will number two stink? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I do a lot of things about heaven. I do not know. But there's one thing I'm confident of about heaven, and that is Jesus will be in heaven. What makes heaven heaven is Jesus will be there, and we will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, can I tell you, you can have transformed bodies, gold streets, rewards, and mansions, but if there is no Jesus, that's not heaven. Heaven is being in the presence of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Well, what is hell? Hell is the exact opposite of heaven. It's people being away from God's presence. It's what the Bible calls hell. Hell is life without God. It's being separated from God's presence forever. Second Thessalonians chapter one and verse eight says he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And church, we can't imagine, we can't fathom what it's like to be away from God's presence. God's presence is on the earth right now. God's Holy Spirit is on the earth right now. His Holy Spirit is living inside of every Christian right now. God is here. And even with God's presence on the earth right now, there is still darkness, hunger, poverty, racism, injustice, disease, violence are right here on this earth. And what in the world would life be like with no presence of God? I mean, just think about who God is. God is light. He is love. God is peace and hope and joy. God is just and patient and kind and compassionate. And if you remove God... And all that he is, all all the love and all the joy and all the kind, you remove God and all that he is, you're left with the place that the Bible calls hell. And the Bible doesn't give us a detailed exposition of hell. But, But there are many, many verses in the Bible describing what life will be like without the presence of God. And even as I just share this with you, I don't understand it. I, 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 can't, I can't explain it. I, I'm just doing my best to articulate what the Bible describes, what life is like without the presence of God. And, and the first thing that's clear as I read the scripture is darkness. Darkness. 
and you'll see the verses there. You can get your phone out, take some pictures there of the verses there in darkness. In Job chapter 10 and verse 21 through 22 describes hell as darkness. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12. Matthew 22 verse 13. Matthew 22 and 25 and verse 30. Jude says this in Jude verse chapter 1 verse 13. It describes hell as the blackest darkness. In Revelation 16 verse 10, it says plunged into darkness. And, and the second thing the Bible says as it describes this place without the presence of God is fire. I don't understand it all, but the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 24, there'll be fire. It says there'll be a blazing furnace in Matthew 13, verse 42, Matthew 13, verse 50. It says fire of hell in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 22, Matthew chapter 18, verse 9. It says eternal fire in Matthew chapter 18, verse 8, Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. It says unquenchable fire in Mark chapter 9, verse 43, Mark chapter 9, verse 48. It says tormented with fire and brimstone in Revelation chapter 14, verse 10, just, just life without the presence of God. There's a, there's a third thing that's real clear to me as it describes life without the presence of God. And, and that is this, the gnashing of teeth. That, that, that literally means the grinding or, or, or the biting of, of teeth. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 41 through 43, it describes the gnashing of teeth. It talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth in Matthew chapter 8, verse 12. Matthew chapter 13, verse 50. Matthew chapter 22, verse 13. Matthew chapter 24, verse 51. It talks about it also in, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 30. In, in Luke chapter 12, verse number, ch chapter 13, verse 28. It talks about this gnashing of teeth. I, I don't understand everything about hell, but man, I, I will say this. To me, it doesn't sound very enjoyable. And, and there are people that actually believe there will be different degrees of punishment in hell. Just like in heaven, there will be different degrees of rewards. You say, Pastor, what do you believe? I, I'm just not real, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I do see scriptural support that there's a possibility that there are different degrees of hell. Like an example is Luke chapter 10, verse 12. Jesus says, I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on judgment day. And he's talking about his disciples going from town to town, preaching the gospel. And he tells them, anybody who does not welcome you, wipe the dust off your feet and go to the next town. And he says this, a town that will reject you, won't welcome you, won't welcome the gospel. He said, they're better off than Sodom. What does that mean? I don't know, but it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound favorable. That it's worse than Sodom. So some, some wonder this about hell when we're trying to describe hell. Some wonder if Satan will rule and reign in hell. And the first thing that we have to understand is that hell was created for the devil. He's, he's not like creating this place that he's going to go have fun in. It was, it, it, was, it was created actually for the devil, not for human beings. Matthew chapter 25 verse 41 says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was never created for you, for me, for any human being. It was created for the devil. And the second thing I want you to see is that the Bible teaches us that Satan will not rule. He will not reign in hell. He doesn't have any authority in hell. He's actually thrown into hell. It was not his choice to go to hell. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 says, and the devil, notice those two words, who deceived? He is a deceiver. 
He is a liar who deceived them was thrown, not, 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 it wasn't under his own will or his own power, his own volition. He was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the, the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now I want you to catch this. The Bible does not describe hell as a party. Uh, Satan's throwing this big block party and everybody, hey, no, that's not, that's not what it says. The Bible uses words like punishment or it uses this word like tormented day and night. I don't understand everything about hell, but I can say this. I don't want any human being to go there. When, when I read life without the presence of God, it does not sound fun. It does not sound enjoyable. And the, and the third question that we have to answer is this. It's such a huge question for so many people. And that is this. Does a loving God send people to hell? Does a loving God Send people to hell. And the first thing that we have to understand, the first thing that we must have our minds around is simply this. Who goes to heaven and why? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse six, that no one comes to the father except through me. Peter preached in Acts chapter four and verse 12. There is the, 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 there's the, the salvation is found in no other name except in the name of of Jesus. So the Bible teaches us that making Jesus our Lord and our Savior is how we are made right with the Father. That the only way to go to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. So, so, so there's only one, one way to heaven and that's through Christ. But what I want you to catch is this, but there are many ways to Jesus. I'm going to explain that to you. There are many ways to Jesus. Some people come to faith in Christ through the preaching of God's word. Some come because somebody shared their faith with them. That's why it's so important you share your faith. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29 and 30, God told Philip to, to go preach to the Ethiopian eunuch. Come on, God can speak to somebody. You didn't even realize that they came because God told them to come. Acts chapter 9, God prepared Saul, appeared to Saul with a bright light and an audible voice. How many know that God has the power to do that? He can just, whoop, you're going to get to know me today. And that's exactly how he came to know Christ. Acts chapter 10, God appeared to Cornelius in a vision and his household, him and his household were saved. Listen, God spoke to people through dreams and still does today. God convicts by the person of the Holy Spirit. God can speak to people through a donkey. You go read your Bible. God spoke to people through a donkey. God can speak to people. People are going to come to know Jesus. They're going to be in heaven because God, God spoke to them through a horse, through a cow, through a dog, not, and I, God, God can't speak through a cat, but that's, we already know that, so that, that will never happen, but dog, cow, horse, donkey, God can use it all. God speaks through the Bible. God speaks through missionaries. God speaks through television. God speaks through radio. God speaks through social media. God speaks through pain. God speaks through tragedy. God speaks through death. Listen, don't you box God in. God can even speak through his creation. Here's what your Bible says in Psalm chapter 19, verse number one. It says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. God speaking through his creation. It says the skies display his craftsmanship. I love this. Day after day, they continue to speak. Did you realize God is using his own creation to draw people to his son, Jesus? He's, he's speaking day after day. They continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They make God known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone. I want you to catch this. Their message has gone throughout the earth. 
and the words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. What I want you to catch is don't box God in. God's a creative God. He can draw people to his son by using you, but he can also use the sun. He can use the moon. God speaking, there are going to be some people in heaven that says, man, I started believing God in Jesus because I saw that moon up there. God can speak through rain. He can speak through hell. I don't get it, but he can even use a tornado. God can speak to all the clouds, the cumulus clouds, the stratus clouds, the cirrus clouds, the nimbus clouds. God can speak through the stars. He can speak through the planets. God can speak to some folks through Mars and through Jupiter. They're looking through their telescope. God spoke to somebody because of Pluto and Venus and Mercury, Earth or Uranus or Saturn or Neptune. God has 200 trillion galaxies and he will use them to speak to people over 500 solar systems. God will use it to speak to people. God can use grass. He can use trees. He'll use mountains. He'll use the oceans. He'll use the seas. He'll use the flowers. God is speaking through creation. Don't box God in. Don't box God in. God, God will speak to people. Listen to me. Salvation is only found in one person. His name is Jesus. But don't overlook the creativity of God to reach humanity which he so dearly loves. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 says this, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Here's what I want you to catch. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. No, no one will be without excuse because God is doing everything that he can to reach people. That the, the only people who will not go to heaven is because they refused the love of God. They rejected the kindness and goodness of God. They ran away from God's grace and God's mercy. Second Thessalonians chapter number one and verse eight says this, those who refuse to know God and refuse to obey the message will pay for what they've done. Eternal exile from the presence of the master and his splendid power is their sentence. Refuse. It burdens my heart that there will be people who choose to refuse God's love over and over and over again. There will be people that choose to reject God's grace and mercy over and over and over again. You see, if you really want to live outside of God's will, if you really want to live outside of God's presence, you can choose to do so. It's called free will. And God's doing everything that he can. He's doing everything that he can. He's doing everything that he can. He's speaking, he's reaching, he's convicting the clouds. He's, doing, he's sending, he's doing everything that he can except for forcing people to be in his presence. 
So God doesn't send people to hell. People choose life without God. People choose hell. C.S. Lewis said it this way. The doors of hell are locked from the inside. Because people just, they reject God. They, they reject his love. They, they reject his grace. They, they reject his mercy. I, I think C.S. Lewis describes it best when he says this. People ask God to leave them alone. Alas, I'm afraid that is what he does. In the end, there are only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done. I'm, I'm giving you what you, you wanted. I'm, I'm giving you your heart's desire to be away from my presence and my goodness and my kindness. But make no mistake, make no mistake, Jesus shed his blood because he loves, he so loves the world. He shed his blood and he's doing everything that he can to reach every single person. He's using everything in his arsenal. He's a creative and big God to reach every single person. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. His promise is Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. And, and God the Father says, don't go yet, Jesus. Hold on, hold on. Why? He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's doing everything. Even today, there's some folks that are far from God. Some of you watching right now on your device and you're far from God. I want you to know that God loves you so much. I don't, I don't care what you heard or maybe some mad preacher said God hates you. No, God loves you. And he's doing everything that he can to reach you. I don't believe that you scroll by Facebook and stop right now. I don't believe that you're in this building today by accident. You're at one of our other locations by accident. Listen, God is doing everything that he can to reach you with his love and his grace and his mercy. And he's creative. Can I tell you, I first started to decide to follow Jesus. And it wasn't in church. It wasn't a Bible or a verse. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you how great God is. I was in the middle of sin. No, no joke. I was in the middle. I won't even, I'm not going to go into details. I was in the middle of sin. And you know what hit me? In the middle of sin, I thought this. Now I'm not going to keep living like this. I just, I am not going to keep doing this. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even know at the time it was the Holy Spirit. I had no idea. I just knew that the life I was living, I wasn't going to continue to live. It was a month or two later that I went to that football locker room and we woke Oklahoma. And Todd Thompson, the former kicker for the Oklahoma Sooners, shared about Jesus. And I gave my life to the Lord. 
Some of you know what I'm talking about because you were in the club and God was drawing you. You was cheating and God was drawing you. You was you were lying and God, God, listen, God will reach down wherever you are. He's got all kind of ways to reach people. And I'm simply saying he wants to reach you today. He loves you. Don't run from God. Don't, don't reject his love. Don't reject his mercy. Don't reject his grace. He's doing everything. I know church hurt you. I know people talked about you. I know you've been wounded. I know you may be been in a church and folks lied and you thought that's what God's like. No, listen, God loves you. He wants to forgive you of all of your sins. He wants you to spend eternity in his presence.